listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. You know, there's a, a time that, uh, that we find ourselves talking about politicians. It gets around that time of year when the ads start to be played and the dirt starts to be slung. And it seems like that uh, for the last, I don't know, uh, five, six years, it feels like that we've been on this, like, it never stopped, right? Just slinging, talking about corruption and politicians to a point where you just get tired of talking about them, right? It's just like, I'm just tired of talking about this. I get tired of talking about corrupt salespeople, but we run into them all the time, don't we? And you just get, you get to us, oh man, another one, of course. You, you, you think about those that, uh, that, that are experts in the law. You get tired of hearing about the, the corruption that is in those that should be, that should be defending the law and defending individuals. Yeah, you know, every time you turn around, it's like more corruption, more corruption. You just get tired of talking about it. I really get tired of talking and hearing about the corruption in the clergy. But it seems like that every time that I check any news media feed, there's, there's almost always something to do about someone who's been caught in some sort of scandal, and it just gets to a place where you're just tired of talking about it. Can I just be real honest with you today? Today is the third week that we are talking about false teachers. And I'm just tired of talking about it. I'm tired of dealing with it. I think you get the point. I feel like I get the point. I get it, Peter. Can we just move on to something a little bit more exciting? But he takes up a little more than a third of his second letter. Of the last things it seems he felt like he would be writing and communicating before his life was taken. So as he's just writing down in a hurry those things that he sees as most important, he spends a third of his time talking about false teachers. So as much as I just want to move on, can we just move on? If we believe that God is the author of Scripture, if we believe that Peter wrote what Peter wrote because that's what God wanted written, and we do, then we've got to spend the time talking about it even when we want to just move on. As Peter's writing his letter, he's, he's writing to those churches probably in the same region that received his first letter. It, it would be what we know of today as modern-day Turkey. But in that time, it was, it was known as Asia Minor. And so Peter's writing to churches that he's had contact with, that he knows about. And he's sending them this letter, and, and he's encouraged them in the very first chapter that, that they're to understand who they are and what they have. What do we have, Peter? If you're a follower of Jesus, Peter says you got everything you need to, to, to navigate life as a follower of Christ until Christ comes. You've got everything you need. What you need to do is open the box and put it to use. 
Start pulling those things out that God has given you and multiply and, and, and build your faith and, and step into those attributes that, that are the character of Christ that God wants to reveal in us. But we've got to get up and step into that. Not, not that we're having to get up and step into salvation on our own, uh, on our own initiative. No. We step in because we're children of God by faith alone in Jesus. We step into who we are. Peter says as you're doing that, what you need to recognize is that, that God's word is the truth for which to base your life and, and for which you to, are to find your way through all of the pitfalls that are going to be there. God's word is powerful and it is the truth, not just a truth. It is the truth through which all other truth claims must filter. If it doesn't filter through scripture, then it is not true. Might be legal. Might be what everybody else is doing, but it doesn't make it true. And so as followers of Jesus, we've got everything we need. We've just got to put it to work looking to our road map, the, the, the guidance that we need from God's Word. And then in chapter 2, he says, And be aware that just like there were false prophets in the Old Testament that popped up and tried to lead the people astray, you too are going to have false teachers that you think are one of you, that you think uh, are, are followers of Christ in the same way that you are. But what you're going to discover is that, that they're going to pop up and they're going to lead you away from the truths that we have laid before you. They're going to lead you contrary to what God's Word says. And you need to pay attention and you need to mark them because their destruction is coming. And last week we talked about how that just like God has judged the rebels in the past, so too is He going to bring all of those judgments that have been promised. They're going to happen. Just like He did before, He'll do it again. But Christians, He said, don't fret over that judgment that's coming because the same Lord who knows how to bring judgment on the wicked knows how to protect his own kids from the wrath that he is bringing on those that have rejected him. So be aware of what's around you. Be aware of what's coming, but have confidence in the one who has bought you by the precious blood of Jesus, our Savior, God the Son. And then in verse number 10, the second half of verse number 10, he begins to identify or, or, or paint a picture of what these false teachers can and will be. And I think what Peter's doing is he's painting the worst of depravity in these false teachers. I, I don't know that he's saying that these false teachers have all of these characteristics. But what he's doing is he's painting a backdrop so that Christians will understand that no matter how enticing their words, no matter how exciting the things that they're saying are, what's truly behind them is sinister. What's truly behind them is the power of the one that if I flip one page over, to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8, this same author tells believers to be sober, be watchful, 
Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This picture that Peter's going to paint for us again about false teachers is important. Because the enemy is still prowling today. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that while Satan's eternity has been sealed, his activity, his agenda has not changed. His agenda is seeking and lurking, prowling, looking for those that he may devour. And we need to understand that there are still men and women out there claiming a faith in Jesus that are being fueled by the power of that roaring lion. Whether they know it or not, they take part in his agenda to lead followers of Christ astray. And if we're not very, very careful... We can get caught up in that same web of lies. And so therefore, because it's here, we're going to talk about it one more time. The false teachers that are seeking to to devour. First, we're going to see the conduct and character that mark these false teachers. Let's watch as Peter paints the picture of these that are seeking to lead us astray. The second half of verse number 10 of chapter number 2 says, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. This glorious ones, we think, has in mind the idea of the angelic. And probably what Peter's talking about is that these individuals are bold, they're arrogant, and they're loud regarding those statements they say about the demonic. I know there are many in our, in our, our, under our Christian umbrella that, that speak in terms of binding the enemy. That makes me nervous. Because what that does often, I say often, when I have heard it, it comes across as a very arrogant statement that is being made. Let me, let me give you a for example. I may have told this story before, and if I have, then forgive me, I'm going to tell it again. When I was a teenager at camp, we have kids every week at camp that would always come up with, it seems like, the same stories every, every week. And one of the stories that popped up every week was about, at nighttime, was about these red eyes that would be seen out in the, in the, the, the woods. And the kids would come running up, you know, Mr. Kevin, Miss Stacy, she knows it, she remembers it. There's, there's, there's somebody out in the woods and they've got glowing red eyes. No, they don't. In fact, there might not be anything out there. If there is anything out there, it is one of the other counselors out there that's making life hard for the rest of us okay I remember one time that these kids came to me and I made this bold arrogant statement about how there's nothing out there well I've heard that it's the devil and I went on a rant of how uh impotent the devil is when it comes to followers of Jesus how they don't have to worry about him 
And he is not a foe they've got to fear because Jesus is bigger than them and they don't even have to worry about him. And you know what? That's true. That is true. But I was boastful in my approach. It's kind of like I was saying, me and Jesus are more powerful than the enemy is. And I just went on a good 10, 15 minute sermon. I know that's hard for y'all to believe. But I went on this rant with these kids about how unpowerful he is. And, and it's true. But, but I want to tell you, I did not sleep that night. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I was what I'm going to call engulfed in fear. My heart raced. I saw shadows and movements that weren't there, but in my mind were there, and I didn't sleep that night. In fact, I got no peace until the sunrise that next day. Even though I was praying, even though I was trying to get peace, I sensed no peace. And when the day was over, I walked away from there with fairly good confidence that God had allowed me to see just a little glimpse of how powerful the enemy can be if it weren't for his grace, if it weren't for the hedge that God has built around me. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, but greater is he that is in the world than is me. These false teachers were making bold, arrogant claims about the demonic. Peter said, but watch those marks of a false teacher. Verse 11 says, whereas angels... Though greater in the in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Even the even the faithful angels aren't that arrogant. They, they, they don't blaspheme the others that have rejected and walked away from the goodness of God. They know to keep their mouth shut and let God be God and let them be creatures. Verse 12, but these like irrational animals. Creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroy. Blaspheming matters about matters of which they are ignorant will also be destroyed in their destruction. Peter says these false teachers, they're living their lives by the base instincts of animals. I, 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 made, a, I made one of our teenagers cry a few weeks back in youth group. Thanks, Chad. That really wasn't garnering an applause. But I, okay, I get you say. Unintentionally made one of our students cry a few weeks back because I made a statement to the, to the students about the difference between humanity and the animal kingdom. And I said to them, God made humans different than he made animals. God made humans in his image. God made animals for his glory. And I said, your dog does not love you. Because your dog does not know how to love. Your dog is excited and very thankful that you put food in their bowl. Now look, here's the bottom line. I'm not moving from that. Because it's true. My father's horses do not love him. They've learned that the sound of his truck means food in the bucket. And so they come to the bucket when they hear the sound of the truck. Now, some of y'all mad at me right now. Y'all don't hear anything. I'm sorry, Tamara. It's true. You know, go talk to God about it. I don't, you know. Peter's point is 
These false teachers operate on the instincts of animals. Let me ask you a question. If you push a dog in the corner far enough, what are they going to do? They're going to bite you. And, and, and you hear and you read about the, the family pets that all of a sudden turn on the family and maul the children. You go, how is that possible? It's possible because they operate off of instincts. Peter said, mark those that present themselves as followers of Jesus and watch their life. Are they, are they driven by their base instincts? Are they quick to bite? Are they quick to whine? And are they quick to tear it up because it's in their way? Watch them. Because what you may be seeing is a false seed. Because they're being led by their flesh instead of the Spirit of God that seeks to push out the restored image of God. As you're thinking right now about the story I told you last week about how I let my instinct come out at the car dealership. I just want to let you know, I did go apologize to them and it was horrible. (laughs) I hated it. But I found it interesting that those I was apologizing to, I found it interesting how they looked at me as I did that. Like, what are you doing? Why, why are you You drove all the way over here to do that? And, and it gave me an opportunity to say, yeah. Because what I said last week kept me from being able to tell you about my Lord. And for that, I am very sorry. Now, whether that turned a light on them or not, I don't know. But it gave me an opportunity to plant a seed. So what I'm saying is, is don't say... Base instinct, yep, follow me long enough, you'll see it. But Peter says, watch those that are driven by it. Because you're probably following a false teacher. He says in verse number 13, suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing. Going off of what he said in the in the previous verse, that they'll also be destroyed in their destruction. When verse 13 says that they're suffering wrong, does not mean that they're receiving suffering they don't deserve. It means they're also suffering wrong because of their wrongdoing. So Peter says they're going to suffer as they've been causing suffering. It says they count it a pleasure to revel... In the daytime. What does that mean? It means they're self-indulgent in the broad daylight. Now in the Roman time in which Peter was living, there was all manner of debauchery going on in society. When we look around at our society, we go, it's never been this bad before. Do you, history? Google some ancient Roman history. It was bad back then. Okay, it was really, really bad. But it was, it was culture for them in in that time to accept debauchery as long as it was done in the cover of dark. As long as we don't have to see it in the daytime, you smile, you dress up. Look, when it gets dark, go do what you want. Peter says, these false teachers are being led by their flesh. They're reveling and they're excited about this 
quote-unquote freedom they have in Christ. And really what they're doing is they're just living out this licentious lifestyle right out in broad daylight. Mark them. They'll say that they are followers of Jesus, but what they are are false teachers. Don't follow them. Watch their character. He says they're blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They're hypocrites. Mark those that are stepping up and leading through God's word. Mark their life. If they're reveling in their own licentiousness and then turning right around and fellowshipping with you around the table, which in Scripture is primarily referring to the Lord's Supper as we worship around you, you watch them. Don't follow them. I don't care how good they preach. I don't care what excitement you have when you come away from them. You watch them. They are leading you astray. And you can tell it by their character. Verse 14. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. These false teachers are captivated by or at least tolerant of sexual sin. These false teachers that are that are appearing to lead are are asking followers to accept what God's word says is sin. He said, you mark them. They've got eyes full of adultery and they follow after their own lusts. One of the most unfortunate things that's happening in our society right now is that while we are in a a new sexual revolution, I think you could say, What's unfortunately happening in a number that claim Christ as Savior is in an effort to not be hated by the world, they're embracing the world. Here's, here's the, here's the sad part about that. Jesus said they're gonna hate you. You know why? Cause they hate me. Because they hate me, they're gonna hate you. So to try to soften the message of God's Word, to try to embrace or, or, or look the other way when it comes to activity in the body. You, you know what we're doing? We're false teachers. We're embracing what God's Word says is wrong. Peter said, mark them. You watch what they're doing. They entice unsteady souls. Sinister. They prey upon the weak. They're grooming the weak. It's unfortunate that you flip on the television and not every church service that you see on television is a bad thing. Don't don't, don't fall into that trap either. There's some great ministries that are being broadcast for God's glory. But I tell you, there's some really, really, really big ones that, that are full of, and, and, and more full than you could put sometimes in a sports arena. And, and they're real excited to be there. And they're hearing a message that makes them feel good. But unfortunately, they're just being led by Pied Pipers. That are stringing people along, making them feel good about themselves. Why? Because if you took that stage in front of all those people... 
and you communicated a message of truth, you know what you'd have to do? You had to sell that building. Because there wouldn't be enough that come next week to make the, the electrical bill. So what do we do? We keep smiling and saying what makes them feel good. Peter says, you better mark them. Watch where everybody's going. They might just be being led to destruction. Pay attention to what's being said. They have hearts, he says in verse 14, they have hearts trained in greed. It means that they have figured out and mastered how to manipulate the pocketbooks and the purse strings of those they're leading. Follow the money, people. Look to the ministries that are overflowing with cash. And and just at least consider what's being said. What is the character of the one that is teaching? Peter says, because you might be following someone who's after your money. And that's all that interests them. Peter says, these are accursed children like they think they're children of God but in reality they are accursed verse 15 says they've forsaken the right way and they've gone astray this should break our heart they know the right way and they've chosen another they've chosen to walk away from truth they followed the way of Balaam now Balaam is a fun Old Testament character Got to go to Numbers chapter 22, 23, and 24 to find out about Balaam. And then he shows up again, not in chapter 25, the first three verses, but if you'll keep reading to chapter 36, verse 16, you'll find out that he actually was in chapter 25. You just didn't know it till you got to chapter 36. Say, what, what, okay, what is Balaam? All right, Balaam was a prophet. Now, Balaam was not an Israelite prophet. Balaam was a prophet, and what we discover is Balaam was a prophet for hire. Like Balaam could be hired to come in and perform a little blessing for someone. Or, at the same time, he could be hired to go and pronounce curses on people. So, King Balak of Moab, because he hated the Israelites, wanted to hire Balaam to pronounce a curse on Israel. And Balaam's like, well, how much are you paying? And so he sent a whole bunch of stuff. Balaam went to sleep that night. God came to him in a dream and said, don't you get up and go with them. Them's my people. Balaam's like, oh, okay. So he got up next morning. He's like, yeah, I can't go with y'all. So Balak sweetened the deal. Oh, yeah, you're going to double it? All right, I'll go. Went to sleep. God's like, don't you go. Don't you. I'm telling you, don't you go. Okay. Gets up. Balak's like, I really want you to come. Balaam's like, God, can I go? God goes, all right, fine. Now, there's a principle in this. You know, when we want to do something and and we know from God's word, he says no. When we keep asking and we keep coming and we keep pushing, you know what God sometimes will do? He'll say, well, go on then. Your daddies have said that time, time. Daddy, can I do it? No, you don't need to do that. You hurt yourself. But I, I really want to. No, I'm telling you, don't. No, I can't. All right, fine then. And then 20 minutes later, you're on your way to the emergency room. Okay? But you knew beforehand that was going to be the case. But hardhead there just wouldn't take no for an answer. So Balaam's like, can I go? Guy's like, whatever you want to do. So Balaam takes off on a donkey. 
And on the way, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord standing in the path with a sword uh, unsheathed. Balaam didn't see it, but the donkey did. And the donkey ran off in another direction. What does Balaam do? Beat his donkey. Got him back on the road. Donkey sees the angel of the Lord again. Balaam doesn't see it, but the donkey does. And so the donkey tries to get out of its way and pushes Balaam's foot over against a rock. Balaam beats the donkey. Donkey keeps going. Donkey sees the angel of the Lord again. Balaam doesn't see it. And the donkey comes up and just like, okay, I'm not crossing the path. I'm not doing anything else. Donkey just sits down. And I mean, Balaam gets into that donkey, beating that donkey. And the scripture tells us that God allowed that instinctual animal to speak. You say, aha, Pastor Kevin, see there. If your dog talks to you, you bring him to me. Let him tell me a story, I'll change my mind. But this donkey turns around and looks at Balaam and says, what do you keep hitting me for? Now what I find interesting is that Balaam did not jump off that animal and start running away. Because that had been it for me. Okay, that had been all it would have taken. But he has a conversation with his son. He's like, I'm trying to get where I'm going. You keep stopping me and holding me up. He's like... Well, I'm stopping for a good reason. And God opens his eyes and Balaam can see the angel of the Lord and he bows down before him. Now, Balaam, you would like to say Balaam learned his lesson and then ended up being a follower of God. He didn't. He did the right thing because he had to for a little while. But at the end of the day, Balaam ended up leading the people of Israel astray. For what? For money. Peter says, you better watch them. They're like Balaam. Those false teachers that seem to be about just filling the coffers for their own good, you better watch them. Those are the kind that are false teachers. Verse number 17, he says, These individuals are waterless springs and mist driven by storm. You come to them expecting water for a thirsty throat. You find dust. You're hoping that the storm will bring a a great nourishment to the parched ground. And and all it ends up doing is just making enough mist to be aggravating. They have nothing of worth. They are empty of truth. And he said for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. They've Parted from the truth. They're leading people astray. And Peter is being very pointed that their ultimate destruction is coming. Verse 18, for speaking loud boasts of folly. It don't matter how loud you say it. If it's foolish, it's still foolish. No matter how you repackage it and make it nice to hear and see, it's still folly. They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who barely escape from those who live in error. Take this in. These false teachers are enticing folks that are hearing the message of Christ and are being drawn to the message of Christ, but because of the lure of the false teachers and the pull of their own flesh, and I I can have 
peace with God and do what I want to, or I can have peace with God and follow Him even into suffering. I think I'm going to take the good time way. Peter says, you mark them. They're enticing people along with their sweet lures only to be found in the boat when the bait is taken. Verse 19, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. They're tempters. They're liars. They promise you one thing, but cannot deliver. You know why? Because it's contrary to God's word. I'm tired of talking about these people. I'm I'm, I'm tired of beating what I feel like is a dead horse. I'm tired of it. But apparently, there are false teachers that are in our circles as well. That are looking and seeking opportunities to pull you away. Some of them know what they're doing. Some of them have no idea what they're doing. But at the end of the day, they're walking the way of the one who prowls around seeking someone to devour. The real sad part of this chapter is found beginning in verse number 20. It says, For if after they escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, even if you don't come to truly know Christ, you can escape some of the world's junk by just walking with people who are followers of Jesus. You can enjoy some of the, the overflow peace that they experience by just being around the people of God. But you can't know it for yourself until you embrace it for yourselves. He says, for even if, after they have escaped some of the defilements through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... They are again entangled in them. Talking about their sin and overcome. You know what the reality is? The last state has become worse for them than the first. Peter's saying is after they've heard the truth of the forgiveness of the grace and peace and abundance of the promises that are ours by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Where if, if we'll just release who we are and accept who God wants us to be in Him, we can have those things. We can walk in those promises. We can have that confidence. We'll face suffering and it'll be painful, but the end thereof is glory. Peter says to have tasted that. And then to turn around and walk back into who I used to be. Peter says it's it's worse for them than if they had never heard. Because they had weighed this in the balance and said, yeah, no need for that. I'll take this. Because we know that apart from Christ, there is nothing. There is no hope. There is no help. Pleasure? Sure, you can find that over here for a period of time. Success? Oh man, you climb that ladder over here. And you might even find the entire world pat you on the back for all you accomplish from their estimation. 
uh, uh, security, shoot. I mean, you can amass yourself a nest egg over here that will, will be the envy of everybody who ever sees you. Peace? Now, you don't find that here. Confidence in eternity? Not gonna find that here. Help in, in, in difficult, peace in trial. No, that's not over here. That's only over here. Peter says, what's really sad is these folks that have stood up and are now teaching are leading folks astray having heard the truth and rejecting it. And if you're not careful, they'll pull you with them. They'll take you along. It would have been better for them had to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. And then Peter makes a really gross illustration. He says what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. Well, that's just gross. Okay? That's just gross. But in fairness... I did Google that, and I did, I Googled, why does a dog go back to its own vomit? And you know what I discovered? I discovered from some pet.com, some side of something, that, that sometimes when a dog is chewing up its food, it's got more than he can chew up, and he'll swallow, and what he'll do is he'll regurgitate it, and go back to it because now it's softer and he can, he can eat it more successfully. And I went, oh, that's still gross. That's still gross. That's still yucky. And, and you gotta understand, Peter's not talking about lap dogs here. No, dogs in this society were the packs of mangy, wolf-like animals that just roamed around just being scavengers and mangy and it was gross and Peter like you know when you see one of those old mangy nasty animals vomit and then go back and eat it again that's what it's like for the one who turns away from the truth and goes to look for something profitable in the way it was They're just going back to their filth. And they're like that little pig that you can clean up. You can wash it up. You you can put a you can put a a, a bow around its neck and, and a little bell in its nose and paint its little hoof nails and all that. But you know what'll happen if you leave it outside? It's gonna go find the mud, get in it. It's similar to what uh elementary age boys do. They're going to go back. They're going to get in the mud. Why? Because it's what they are. And because it's what they are, it's what they do. Peter says, don't follow them. No matter how sweet their words, reject it. Knowing this, what are we to do? Knowing these things, what are we to do? Well, I think, first of all, you and I have to beware who we follow. You know, that's, that's pretty common in our vernacular these days. We, we follow people, do we not? Even when we're not walking. In fact, we follow people more today than we've ever been able to follow them. I mean, it used to be if you wanted to find someone to influence you, 
someone to lead you, you might have to wait until they write the next article. Or their next book is published that you could go buy. Or, or, or the next episode of whatever they're doing shows up on the television. Not anymore. I mean, you, you can follow them down to what they ate two hours ago if they're taking a picture of it. Because we are a following society. And we will, like lemmings, just follow after. Just captivated by people. Peter says, beware of who you follow. That's true not only in the world around you, but it's absolutely true when it comes to those that are presenting truth to you. That are opening the word and telling you what this really means is, be careful. How does it line up with the rest of the scripture? How does it line up with with what scripture says is right or wrong? How does their life line up with what they say they believe? Beware. Be discerning. Watch who you follow. The things you've got to watch for are authoritative personalities these days. A lot of times those authoritative personalities, those those bigger than life leaders, you know what they're really good at? Covering up sin. Maybe not just their sin, which often that's the case, but they're really good at covering up other sin in their because they're afraid if they don't cover up the sin, they won't be able to walk in the power and experience the kind of of, of opportunities they have because of who they are. We gotta watch out for that. Where there's smoke, there's fire. We've got to be aware. We've got to be aware of the man-focused, self-help, feel-good type of teaching. Like it, it seems like, not, not, I'm not saying that you need to come to church every week expecting to be beat up. But I am saying if all you ever hear are things to make you feel good, and that you know what? I am good enough. I am smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. If that's what you're hearing, be careful. Beware who you follow. Watch out for hate-filled crusaders. Those that want to stir up hate in your mind and heart. And let's go attack this issue. With all the glory and, 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 and spit and vigor of heaven. That's not how Jesus handles stuff. Beware of that. Watch who you follow. Beware of celebrity Christians. Everybody wants the celebrity Christians to talk about their Christianity. And you know what? Sometimes it's real. But most of the time, they're still babies. And they got no business being the spokesperson of the Christianity that we need to follow. Because they're still working out their infancy. Beware of that. Because sometimes, their Christianity is just about selling whatever they've recently put out. And we've got to be careful. I don't know that. But i got to be discerning. i got to listen with biblical ears. We gotta be careful. We gotta be careful. We've got to be absolutely on guard for those that are promoters of immorality.
Because what is immoral in God's word has always been immoral and it will always be immoral. We've got to mark those who are embracing what God says is not what I created. It is not what I sanction and it is not what I will bless. At the very same time, we need to be ready with arms that love people. We need to love people like Jesus loves people. And Jesus would have never said, well... If that's how you feel, then that's what you do. No. Jesus would say, let me tell you about who you are. So that you might walk in that reality. According to my word and your good. Mark them. Recognize them. They'll lead you astray. Number one, we got to beware of who we follow. Number two. Knowing what we know now about false teachers, we have, and when I say we, I mean all of us here. We, you, need desperately to strengthen your grip on sound doctrine. You say, I don't don't know what I believe. Let me help you start a journey in that direction. So that what you're counting on is not just what you hear from me, but rather what you learn from your putting it to practice. Because I'm not always going to be able to be there with you and tell you what to think about something. And not only that, who am I to know everything about everything? Because I don't. But we all have a responsibility. If we're going to mark those that we don't need to follow, we need to have a good strong grip on sound doctrine so that we can then defend sound doctrine right teaching let me put you on a journey let us help you in that direction one of the best ways you can do that is through a a a classroom opportunity steve can i just can, can, I, can I tell them they can come talk to you about the Ridge Bible Training Center? Because Steve's been engaged in learning not only Bible doctrine, but he's learning how to study his Bible. He's learning about the Old Testament. And they've just now started learning how to discern and understand the New Testament. It's one, one night a week. But he's spending the time. He's putting forth the effort. And that's available to Everybody for peanuts. 100 bucks just covers your books. And then you get hours and hours of training and how to understand God's word so that you can defend God's word against error. We've got to strengthen our grip. And then lastly, we need to pray for and engage with truth and grace, those who are deceived in our circle. Right now, in, in your circle, you might be thinking, listen, I'm, I don't think I'm following any false teachers. I don't think I'm following any heresy. But you got folks around you that are. you got folks around you that are nose deep in things that won't lead to glory in their life. 
And we've got to pray for them. We've got to be serious about it. And then we've got to be ready to engage them with truth. Not just accept that they don't believe what we believe, but be ready to pr- uh, present sound, authentic, genuine truth in front of them about Jesus crucified in their place for their sin, raised victorious to bring them into new life if by faith they'll only receive. We've got to be ready. But I think prayer is the thing that goes before. Asking God to help us understand what we're following, help us to have a a better grip on what we know to be true, And then to open the door of opportunity for us to take truth to those that are deceived. Because if we don't, they'll continue to follow those that will lead them to destruction. I'm tired of talking about false teachers. But it's real. And it's here and it's now. And we've got to be ready to stand against it for God's glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now in just the stillness of the moment. Maybe it is that you came here today. You're not used to us and how we do things. And you're like, man, that was a weird sermon. That was weird. What what am I supposed to get out of that? What, What chances are great that what you're hearing is that doesn't make sense to you because you're not one of the body you're not one of the family and can I just tell you today God loves you 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 might not think you're all that bad compared to folks in your family compared to folks in world history but can I tell you what God's word says it says that you're broken because of sin and and if it's just us and it is because nobody's looking around it's just it's just us talking right now you You know, you know just as well as I do that you're broken because of sin. And and you might have even tried to deal with it and come to the realization that you can't. The great news of all time is this. That's where God wants you to be so that you can hear his invitation of forgiveness. So that you can hear his invitation to be brought into his family. Because what you are incapable of doing, and you always will be incapable, he has made available for you through the work of his son, God the Son, Jesus. Who took on your sin and mine. Paid for it fully and completely on the cross. Took death for us. And then stepped out of the grave, victorious over it. He stepped out as king forever. And God invites us into the family by faith in him. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, you sure can. It's as simple as, if this is what you mean, it's as simple as something like God... Hey, I I hear this guy talking, and I I believe that. 
In my heart, I believe that you love me. And in my heart, I believe that 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 historical figure of Jesus actually is the Savior. I do believe that he died for my sin. I do believe that he rose from the dead. I do believe that he's alive. And I want to be your child. I want to be a part of the family. I want to receive by faith your son. I, I, I want to be forgiven and made yours. If that's your desire, if that's your heart. And God's word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Same way I came into the family. And it's the only way anyone can. If you got questions, we'd love to spend more time talking with you. But you know all you need to know. To come to know Christ. Christian. What's God dealing with you about? Have you been following things that you know simply are not true? Have you been embracing philosophies and teachings that might be socially required. But are biblically forbidden. Are you wrestling With being enticed by the kind of Christian teachings of those who are leading you astray. Today would be a great day to get your focus back on Jesus. Tune your ears back to his word. To step back in line following him. Jesus we thank you for your love today. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your willingness to to go to the end, a brutal end, to demonstrate your love for us, to do for us what we could never do. Father, we thank you that you raised your son from the dead. We thank you that in your good grace, you were pleased for our sake. To allow your son to suffer. Holy Spirit we are thankful that you are present with us. We need you. We need you to speak clearly to our hearts. Because we're easily led astray. We're easily led to a place where our eyes are, are on the shiny thing rather than the truth. We need you Holy Spirit to give us real discernment. So that we might be able to see truth and error. Father, we ask that you will help us this week. To move towards you with a desire to to understand more clearly. So that we might share more correctly. And that we might defend truth obediently. Father, I pray right now for those that are in our circle that are currently being deceived. I pray that you'll prepare us to bring truth with grace to them for your glory, for their benefit. God, help us to stand firm on who we are, what we have, and what you've called us to do and to be. As we look forward to the return of Jesus that we get to talk about next week. I'm really excited to talk about that. We thank you.
in advance. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.